Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Well, if last week was the week before Captain Marvel, that would make this week the week of Captain Marvel. <laughs> Does my math check out there? It's not my strong suit. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com, and you know that's where we're going to start. Carol Danvers becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes when Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. It's Captain Marvel. So you're not from around here. It's hard to explain. I keep having these memories. I see flashes. I think I had a life here. But I can't tell if it's real. We have no idea what threats are out there. We can't do this alone. We need you. I'm not what you think I am. A lot of people were looking forward to this for a lot of different reasons, and mine might be the most different, which is that I wanted to see what Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck could do with this kind of a film. Yeah, they are the writers, directors. If you're not familiar with their work, they've really come up through some real, some smaller indie standouts. We're talking about Half Nelson. Mo- Sugar. Sugar, great movie. Then um, uh, what It's was kind it? of a funny story. Kind of a funny story. And then they came back really strong two years ago with Mississippi Grind. Yeah. So they've they've really worked in the indie uh, in the indie realms, and now they got handed the keys to this potential blockbuster, part of the oh, Mar- I think it's Marvel a like, Universe. Yeah. <laughs> this is a grand slam blockbuster right here. Exactly, and um, it's interesting what they bring to it because their movies are so character based, mm-hmm. and that's a good. It's a good thing to bring to these types of movies if you can do it, and I think for the most part. They do it here. I do, too. One of the things that I liked about, of course, Brie Larson, Oscar winner Brie Larson, right? She's never a bad bet in anything. And one of the things I really appreciate about this movie is that she's just pissed off from yeah, the beginning is. to the end. She's mad at the beginning because she can't really figure out what her past is. It's very frustrating to her. And then as she starts to see flashes of her past, well, she's pissed off because of some <laughs> stuff that happens, you know, when she finally does get to Earth. And she meets up with uh, Agent Fury, Sam Jackson, who says to her, because it's the 90s, and says to her, that grunge thing really suits you. I love that right. line because it absolutely did. Yeah, and if you're not a comic book person, and we're not, if you're not familiar with the kind of complicated backstory of this character, um, because I and people of a certain age remember that Saturday morning TV show that was, that was Shazam! Shazam! which transforms him in a flash into the mightiest of mortal beings, Captain Marvel. It was a boy, a teenager, and he said Shazam, and then he turned into Captain Marvel. And I had to go back and look look that up here a couple days ago to know there's absolutely that no I relation. Wasn't dreaming, no relation whatsoever. No relation. But that that's the way that show was set up. And if I'm Correct, in the kind of the research I was doing, there's a, a real convoluted history about who owned the rights to this character. To, to the name Captain Marvel. Yeah, to it's the not name, the same character no, at all. Exactly. To the, name, to the Captain name Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel and the comic and the story and what they could do with it. So at that time that they made that show, that Saturday morning show, different people owned it. So anyway, I'm getting off the track here. But the point is that has nothing to do with that or Shazam, which is now going to be, I think, a, Next a, month. another movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, so this is the, the character Carol Danvers and how she becomes Captain Marvel. And I think Bowden and Fleck, first of all, they do a good job of streamlining that backstory because it is pretty complicated. It goes back to like 1941. It goes back a ways. So they do a good job of streamlining that, but you're right. There's an, another, there's an alien race involved. There's repressed memories. There's different planets. There's explosions and uh, are taking on the DNA of this... Uh, this otherworldly power and things like that. But they do they do a pretty good job. But like you've pointed out, in many origin stories, this one in the beginning, I'd say the first act of the movie, it yeah. kind of gets bogged down. It does. It's a little bit clunky. Partly, I think, because they just don't sort of start off really strong in the storytelling. And then for me, the other part was act one looks a little too much like one of those yeah. cheap Star Trek movies. That's one thing that struck me. I'm like, boy, this doesn't really look great. No. You know, early on. Early on. Once they hit Earth, they find their groove. They and, really do. And it is just a blast from that moment on. Yeah, like you said, it's set in the 90s, and they have a lot of fun with that. Not only the setting, you know, the blockbusters and the radio shacks, but the tunes. Oh, yeah. So much fun with the song choices. I mean, it's really, really clever and, and just songs you love to hear. Yeah, and also that's, that setting, that timestamp, means it's not only an origin story for Carol Danvers and Captain Marvel, it's an origin story for Nick Fury. Yeah. And really, the whole shield, shield you know, Avengers absolutely. project, mm-hmm. yeah, which means that we get to see some more of that incredible digital fountain of youth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On uh, not only um, Sam Jackson, but uh, Clark Gregg, yeah. who plays Agent Coulson. Yeah, he's in there too. And what they can do with that now just blows my mind. Because let's be honest, Sam Jackson, who is I think seventy-one. He could still pass for a guy in his 50s. I mean, he doesn't yeah. age. It's that smile. He yeah. just doesn't seem to age. The rest of the cast, yeah, they look a little older but than here they now, would he have in the have, 90s. He doesn't have the eye patch, he does so not. we find out the origin of that. That's right. He's got and, some hair. Yeah, but <laughs> what they can do now with the, with these faces of, of the actors is just just tremendous. It gets better every time, as it would, as because it would. technology involved is, is involved and, and advances. But So that's great, and they have a lot of fun especially the interplay between Sam Jackson and Brie Larson. Yeah, I mean, Sam Jackson, really, his whole career is kind of built on how great a chemistry he has with basically everybody. And that really sparkles every scene that he has with Brie Larson. I mean, they they just really make a great kind of odd couple buddy picture. Yeah, so he, you know, he is not the Agent Fury at this time in the 90s. Certainly doesn't have his place of power that he does no, he's goofy. in the later movies. He's all manner of goofy. Yeah, and he's kind of becomes entrenched with her, and the more that she becomes powerful, he does too, mm-hmm. because uh, he's her friend. Right. They get involved into this big intergalactic struggle that we're not going to go into, obviously. But let's just say if you've seen the trailer, the trailer might make you think some things that may or may not be true. It yeah. throws you some curveballs, which Trailers I like. Trailers sometimes do Which that. I liked. And I also love the supporting cast has some winners in it. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, Ben Mendelsohn, we who we love. We love Ben Mendelsohn. And, you know, we've complained somewhat recently uh, where that I think too many people only know Ben Mendelsohn from his scenery-chewing villains in things like Ready Player One and, and some of the Star Wars movies and things. And he's one of the greatest character actors working. He's so today. much better than just that. He is. Yeah. And you know what I love about his role in this movie is that Bowden and Fleck know that because he was the lead in Mississippi Grind, right. their most recent, very character-driven independent film. So they pull him in here to play what seems like it's really with his typecasting, and it turns out back and forth. Maybe, maybe it isn't. Yeah, so exactly. He was just a charm to have. Yeah, so you've got Ben Mendelsohn, Jude Law, Annette Benning, also a uh, a woman I wasn't really familiar with, Lashana Lynch. She's plays, great. She is great. Yeah, she is. She plays 
Carol Danvers' best friend right. who helps her with some memories, and she is fantastic. And then you're going to see some familiar faces and characters from the Marvel Universe, like Jaiman Honsu uh, and some other char- mm-hmm. characters that uh, are going to have some, some threads that yeah. tie it together to some of the other movies, because obviously we know at the end of the last Avengers movie... Captain Marvel was being paged, I guess. Would you call that yeah. a pager? <laughs> sort of a pager, yeah. I mean, so, it started, it was a, a gadget they built in the 90s. Yes, yeah, so she's going to be... Maybe at Radio Shack. Maybe. So <laughs> she's going to be very important uh, to uh, Avengers Endgame, which is coming up later. But the point is, with this movie, uh, they have... They, they set that up, but at the same time, I think, like you said, once it once it finds its groove, it works pretty well as a standalone movie, uh, not not just wetting your appetite for more. No, I agree with you. I think it absolutely does work as a standalone movie. And I also think that as um, on International Women's Day, mm-hmm. which is the day of its release, uh, I think that it is a better feminist film, a more girl power empowering film than Wonder Woman. I, agree. I think it's a better film. Than Wonder Woman. Yeah, and I, I, I liked Wonder Woman slightly better than you yes. did. But I agree. I think this one is slightly better. And, I, and, and I'm glad you, you feel that way, too, because I thought it has more what I call just unabashed girl power Absolutely. than even Wonder Woman. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Because, uh, because far more of the characters are, you know, the ones of power, the ones who are bad, the ones who are good. You know, it's just a far more equal distribution of, of ma- male to female in this movie and also because of why she's so pissed off the whole time. <laughs> and here's the thing: if you, you, you know, you got to face facts. Marvel has now had over 20 movies. Yeah. This is the first female-led movie they've had. Right. And you almost get the feeling like it's only getting it because Wonder Woman was a smash success. And I think that that is probably true. Yeah. Well, and I think and that, unfortunate. And I think Bowden and Fleck realized that. Yeah. And without really going overboard, they put that little bit of yeah chip on my shoulder mm-hmm. into this movie and into this character, and it and it works. It works really well. I mean, I don't want it to sound like this movie is preaching in any way. What it does is develops a very authentic hero. Well, and not only that, but I think similar similar to Black Panther, there's a point in the movie where it decides we're gonna we're gonna shoulder some bigger themes here, and that benefits the movie. It really does. It doesn't do it to the level of Black Panther. No, Black but, Panther is really. As far as oh. either one of us are concerned, the high watermark in comic book films it is. certainly it is. I think um, that's it was, totally right. It was a brilliant movie from every de- but, every angle. But, but it does. I mean, it tackles some very serious social issues, mm-hmm. and so does this film. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's when it starts to get that groove that we're talking about. Yeah. But it's also it's also fun and funny. It is without being too funny. Right. Like I think we both. Thought that the the last Thor Ragnarok was just a, a flat out comedy, it was. enjoyable, an enjoyable but for comedy. Me, but that's what it that's was. That's too much yeah. for me. That's for I didn't these think movies, it was too much, but it certainly did. It, it, you know, it, it, is, it stands out as being less of a superhero movie, far less of an action film. It's it's a, it's a comedy. Yeah, I like the fact that uh, movies like this take the the humor so far, but not. Overboard. It, se- it seemed a lot more that organic. It sabotage right. the actual sort of thriller nature of the film. Exactly right. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a very interesting character. I've read some of the some of the criticism about not only this movie but her performance, uh, finding that she doesn't really find a character. I I, I don't agree with that. No, at I all. absolutely disagree I with just, that. I just don't get. I do, that. and you know what? And I, I honestly, if this were a male character and he was just pissed off all the time, people would just accept it. Yeah, they would just be like, "Yeah, that's fine." But you know, 
I've said this before. People have a hard time with female leads who are not likable. Yeah, and 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 also it does get better. We mentioned earlier when we first started talking about this that it didn't look great at the beginning. It looks better as it goes along. It does. It absolutely does. Everything, yeah. just everything about the movie gets better as it goes along mm-hmm. because the first fifteen minutes or so, I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I know. I was and a little then, concerned. Exactly, and then it really starts picking it up. And then, of course, when we get to the end, you know what's coming. Hopefully, you know what's coming. Don't get out of your seat That's because right. it's Marvel, and you've got here. You've got two stingers. Right. One of them is halfway through the credits, as they usually do. Yep. And it's a good one. It is. And it's an important one. It's an important one uh, for, the, for the next movie. And you know what that is. And then, if you want to stay till the very, very end, you get a fun one. Yes. Again, as has become their yeah. trademark, you not know, it's funny the shawarma. We'll not call it the funny, shawarma buzzer. Not as funny as shawarma. <laughs> but, uh, but it is. It's a fun one. has a little bit of substance. But the and the one... other thing, I think, for Marvel fans that that you'll appreciate, we appreciated it, is it that the Marvel montage that you see at the very beginning, where behind the lettering of the words Marvel, you see all the Hulk and, you know, Thor and all the other Avengers. Instead, what you see in, in for Captain Marvel uh, are all of the different cameos that Stan Lee has done. Yeah. And, you know, it, it choked me up a little bit. Honestly. It was nice. It yeah. was. It was nice. And, of course, he has a, a cameo in this one. And it may be the final one. I've yeah. heard it could be the final yeah. one. And it's a nice one. Yeah. It seemed more... Or, uh, we don't want that to sound dumb. The, that it may be the, the fact. Of the matter is, he filmed a lot of them in advance. He yeah. filmed many in advance, so that's why we're saying is yeah. it the final one, not <laughs> exactly. like not yeah. some kind of morbid weird thing. But but um, I do think that it probably is the last yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. So we enjoyed it, as we said, both as a standalone and as one that gets you ready for Avengers Endgame mm-hmm. and probably more Captain Marvel movies. So uh, we think it's a winner. And talk about winners, it's only March, but we already have two documentaries that we feel certain are going to be Oscar-nominated at the end of the year. And this is the latest. They look at the Apollo 11 mission to land on the moon, led by Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. It's called Apollo 11. The whole Apollo program was designed to get two Americans to the lunar surface and back again to Earth safely. The enormity of this event is something that only history will be able to judge. Apollo 11 has very simply been given the mission of carrying men to the moon, landing them there, and bringing them safely back. So just, you know, about a month ago, we watched the absolute astonishing piece of history brought to life that is Peter Jackson's They Shall Not Grow Old. Yeah, that one I think is a lock for nomination for a documentary. And now I think this one is too, and it's actually very similar Mm -hmm. because this one also has never-before-seen footage that has been restored, not to the level of that footage that was from that World was War One, hundred years old. <laughs> but this is just uh, about fifty years old. 50 exactly. Years is, yeah. Exactly. We're coming up in July. It's going to be the fiftieth anniversary of uh, landing on the moon with Apollo Eleven, and so they get this footage and and digitally restored, of course, and a lot of it has never been seen before, and it needs to be on the, if you can find the biggest screen, we yeah. were lucky to see an IMAX we version. Were. If you we can were. find an IMAX version, please do it. Go for it, because much like the Peter Jackson documentary, this one also doesn't have any written narration, any voiceover. All you see is the footage, and all you hear are voices from the time. Yeah. Either it's Walter Cronkite on a news 
delivering some news. And often those those pieces, I mean, it is really expertly put together so that, for example, Walter Cronkite's voice isn't, you're not seeing Walter Cronkite, you're not seeing that news. You're hearing his broadcast beneath the actual footage of what was happening at the time. And it's really, it's put together so well, very delicately, so that it doesn't intrude on this immersive experience that the film creates. Exactly. The director is Todd Douglas Miller, and uh, yeah, everything about it is, is, it's crafted so well. Editing, meticulous and, and perfect. And you've got, so you've got that, some of that news footage, voices from the news reporters of the time. Also, you've got um, Mission Control, yep. some of their sound coming out of there. Then, of course, you've got the astronauts themselves. Yeah, um, the quote home movies. Yeah, inside the capsule. Oh, just crazy. crazy. Yeah. It's, talk about just living, breathing, immersive history. Yeah. Much like the Peter Jackson yeah. documentary. I was just, I was just holding my breath. I mean, Obviously, we know what happens, right. but I mean, it's so thrilling. And a, yeah. some of the scenes give you a little a little countdown yeah. off to the side. Yeah. It'll say things like countdown to either a launch or the next stage of the rocket or something. Yeah. And you, you're looking at the countdown and you're looking back at the screen. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, it's I, I, I can't tell you how thrilling this is and how how well it's put together. And we commented at the time the because we were lucky enough to see it on IMAX and the the quality of the footage is so great that you're looking at the crowd during the launch, the crowd that gathered in Florida to see the launch at the time, and, oh, there's Johnny Carson. Right. <laughs> and it just kind of braces you to think, oh, that's right. This is not a Hollywood blockbuster. No. This is because that's a young Johnny Carson. Yeah. And it just reminds you that, my God, this is real footage yep. of all these people. And yeah. it reminds you, of course, of a different time. Yeah. But it, it gives you pride. It gives you respect for the science. Yeah. They got this done. They put people on the moon. These astronauts, I mean, they had to think there was a darn good chance they weren't coming back. I would back. say better than average chance that they weren't coming back. I mean, it's you know? really stunning. And one of the things, both of us said it afterwards, it made us want to watch First Man again. It did. It really did. And that's the other thing about this movie. I, I don't think it... It has any grandeur about itself. It has no. a grandeur about the mission, yeah. about the accomplishment. But it's almost an invitation to go and say, look, we're at the 50th anniversary here. Go find out more about yeah. this. You know, and it does. It invites you. Yeah, First Man, and there's other documentaries and other, of course, publications that just, it just reminds you what an astounding achievement this was. You know, and you, you see the the video as it happens and 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 then their comments as it they're getting ready to walk on the freaking moon <laughs> it's just yeah i mean I, I i love this stuff anyway and uh, this one i can't we can't recommend it highly enough i'll i'll be shocked if this one and the Peter Jackson yeah. are, are both not nominated for Best Documentary. And I, it'd be a hard time choosing between them because they're both just fantastic. So go seek out Apollo 11, especially if you can find it on IMAX. Hey, look at the calendar. We're coming up on St. Patrick's Day, so how about some good Irish horror? We've got one. Trying to escape her broken past, Sarah tries to build a new life on the fringes of a backwoods rural town with her young son. It's called The Hole in the Ground. Do you ever look at your kids and not recognize them? He's not himself. Mom, look out! It's not your boy. He's not your son! Mommy! Where are you?
Irish horror, what? I know. I actually, <laughs> I, yeah. I love Irish horror films. I really uh, seek them out. And one of the things I noticed, which maybe nobody else is ever going to, they have a thing for changeling stories. They really <laughs> do. It comes up so often in Irish horror and also sort of woodland creature films. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so in this case, it's it's very similar to a lot of other films in that, you know, it kind of picks that scab that parents have where you look at your child and they've hit a certain age and all of a sudden you just don't think you recognize them anymore. Well, that's, you know, that's fertile ground. It it's, is. it's how well that you get it done, you know, oh. because that's some real good scab to pick. Exactly. <laughs> and we just saw it uh, last month with the movie The Prodigy, which did not handle the subject matter particularly well. This really does because so Sarah is uh, she's establishing a new life with her son. You don't know where her husband is. You don't know why he's not there. You do know her son is a little mad that the, that the husband isn't there and that there's tension between mother and son because of the move, mm -hmm. because he's not very happy at his new school. It's all just subtext. You, you know, they don't they don't overindulge any of these answers but suddenly and of course she has some anxiety about her new life she just thinks she sees something amiss with her son but maybe that's just fueled by the creepy neighbor that she has and maybe that's just fueled by really weird irish folk songs that's the other thing i know a lot uh -huh. about my uh, grandparents were all immigrants. I listened to a lot of Irish music growing up, and it's creepy. And if you don't think so, you're just wrong. So anyway, all well, these things... they're all about death. They are all about death. All of these things kind of come or into play. losing your leg or something. <laughs> and of course, the setting... Cockles and muscles, alive, alive, oh. And of course, the setting is backwoods, it which is. adds a bit of creepiness. It does. It absolutely does. And the, I mean, it's just really, really well developed. This very, you know, familiar kind of an idea... And I think the performance, especially uh, Sarah, the lead, it brings more to mind the film The Babadook than it does, say, The Prodigy. So The Babadook really mined a particular kind of maternal grief and guilt. And I think that this does a better job with that. And, and it's one of those films where for the longest time, is she crazy or is mm -hmm. she right? And I think they do that really well also. Yeah, and Sarah is played by Sianna Kerslake is her name. Okay. And, I, and she's got it's got the little uh, mark above the E, so I know I'm pronouncing <laughs> that. You know, it's, not, it's not the Irish pronunciation, so maybe right. we should say Sersha. Maybe we <laughs> could say that. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, no, you're right. She's uh, impressive. And it has that feel, that Babadook feel about it. Uh, don't get From me wrong. the mother's character. Yes. yes. It's not nearly as good as, I mean, the Babadook is a masterpiece in, in like guilt related horror. It really is. But this one does a great job of creating an atmosphere, a very creepy, creepy atmosphere. And then also in Act Three, it, uh, it pays homage to one of our favorite horror movies. And I'm not going to talk about it because I don't want to give away any spoilers, good but it was you. fun. It was fun. <laughs> good for you. So good. Irish horror perfect for this time of the year, The Hole in the Ground. One more out this week in pretty wide release. It's the story of a man struggling with the tragic memories of his past to make sense of his present, but soon realizing that time isn't the enemy he thinks it is. It's called I'm Not Here. Stevie? It's Mom. I have some bad news, honey. Karen passed away this morning. I'm not here. Take all the chances you can, it's alright You only get one life Don't waste it a disappointment because this is a great cast. J.K. Simmons, Oscar winner and Ohio State fan, J.K. Simmons, always wonderful. 
Sebastian Stan, always really good. Make a Monroe, another one who's always very good. Uh, it just it just wallows. You know, it doesn't really move forward. It doesn't really resolve anything. It doesn't do anything very naturalistically. J.K. Simmons is good, but it's, a, it's partly, I think, because most of his scenes, it's just him by himself. And so, you know, and he's a master. And yeah, so you so just good. get the chance to see what he can do. But on the whole, I think that the film just kind of sits there. Yeah, this is the second feature for Michelle Schumacher is the director. And you could say it's a film with good intentions, yep. but not really the depth to pull them off, uh, even though he's she's got such a great lead actor in J.K. Simmons. There's there's just not the depth here of what she's trying to mine. doesn't really get to it. Yeah, I mean, I think, so J.K. Simmons, basically, his character is, he, he has the, the role of being an unreliable narrator. And that's tough to pull off in literature. It is tougher to pull off in a film. Yeah, when, and when I, done correctly, right, it can be very effective. Absolutely. Uh, I just think maybe she doesn't. She didn't quite have what it took to to pull that off. Yeah, so a little disappointed, except for J.K. Simmons with "I'm Not Here." And there's a lot in the lobby this week, a lot. So let's get at it. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. This is maybe the best week ever in home oh, entertainment. It's certainly, it's got the, the uh, quantity, I'll tell you that, and quality. It does. So let's run these down uh, pretty quickly. Well, the favorite. Get yes, it. Yes. Watch it. Do it. Loved it. Oscar you will nominated. also love Olivia Coleman. Oh. If you don't already, it means you haven't seen this movie. It's so great. One you probably haven't seen. If you have, God bless you. Um, if you haven't, you probably haven't heard of it. We loved it. It's called Thunder Road. Get it right away. Get it right <laughs> away. It is one of the most amazing movies. It's earnest and absurd. What a character study. It is, yeah, it's brilliant. Jim yeah. Cummings wrote, directed, stars, get it. The feature length that was expanded upon his short film, and uh, we thought it was the best underseen movie of last year. Absolutely. Uh, so seek out Thunder Road if you can. Also, a movie we liked a lot called Burning. Oh, this is one that we were really surprised didn't get a foreign language nomination from the Oscars because it was just amazing. It was. It did a, get a lot of love in other did. award circles. It absolutely just not did. Oscar, yeah. But it's you know it's a, it's a mystery thriller. Stephen Yoon from The Walking Dead plays absolutely against type and does it brilliantly in this just a fascinating slow burn of a of a thriller. Yeah, pun intended or not intended burn. <laughs> yeah, but we liked it. Also, speaking of uh, Academy Awards, the Academy Award winning Free Solo documentary of last year. Incredible. Just incredible. The bigger your TV, the better. Exactly right. A story of this free climber, no ropes, pulleys, or safety harnesses of any kind, trying to be the first one to free solo El Capitan. And it's just... It'll just make your your knuckles go white as you watch this thing, and I loved it. Uh, ben is back. Julia Roberts and Lucas Hedges out this week. You know, it got lost in the holiday shuffle. It came out with a, like a glut of other sort of, you know, Oscar hopefuls. Julia Roberts is absolutely great in this movie. Lucas Hedges, always amazing. It's it's a, kind of a, you know, a kick to the gut, but it's worth mm -hmm. watching. Vox Lux hits home video this week. Natalie Portman plays a troubled pop star who became a pop star after a troubled past. This one... Kind of got forgotten about it. Had so it's it's really a polarizing movie. I think although both of us liked it pretty well, we did. It's a weird film to watch because it's 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 not really your traditional three act structure. It yeah. is two different films. It is. You know, you get you get the first half and then you jump ahead twenty years and then mm -hmm. you have the second half of the movie. And um, it doesn't always work, but it's it's kind of interesting what they're saying and the way they try to say yeah, it. Yeah, and even when it doesn't work, it's like it's like a. a, a 
a crash that you can't take your eyes yeah, off of, like passing by a car crash, and you have to look at it. Overall, I thought it was pretty effective. Aquaman. What do we think? Matt Wiener reviewed Aquaman for us, and we we recognize Matt Wiener's particular fondness for your Fast and the Furious style right. action movies, which is probably why we asked him to do this one. He gave it three and a half stars. I'm not going to go that no. far. But it was, you know what? It yeah. looked good. It was entertaining. It was silly. And Jason Momoa has the charisma to, to carry five he films. Does. It certainly is a lot better than the Aquaman parts of Justice League oh my. led you to believe it would be. Uh, yeah, exactly it's right. It's a big improvement on that. Creed 2 comes out. Not as good as Creed 1. Well, really liked Creed, the first Creed. Well, of course, Ryan Coogler is not involved this time. Right, that could right. be part of it. But Michael B. Jordan is back, and that's a huge part Tessa of it. Thompson. Yeah, it's still... It still works because of these characters. And Stallone is back as a writer, and that is probably why it becomes almost just as much a story about Rocky as it does uh, the young Creed. But you know what? It ends up working because the film says, okay, it's time to move on now. Right. And it does a nice job, a nice uh, way to give uh, the Rocky character a stepping stone to step out of it. Right. So it's incredibly Shakespearean in its daddy <laughs> issues, but uh, still, you know what? It was it was enjoyable. Green Book comes out. We've talked a lot about Green Book. On, Oscar winner for yeah, Best Picture, on 2018. This, uh, podcast. It's just not one that we loved. Nope. Liked it. Mm. Certainly the performances. Yes, we like but, the performances uh, a great deal. I think it has some issues. Uh, Instant Family is out. Now, this is one that really surprised me because there's a comedy, a family comedy, uh, Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne, although Rose Byrne is great. Always. Uh, Roseburn is always great. Comedy, drama, yeah. anything. I thought it had, look, look, I remember seeing the trailer before I saw this and thought, oh boy, this is just going to be, you know, melodramatic claptrap. And it was really warm and earnest because it was actually told from a, a real vantage point of the uh, the writer-director who kind of lived this story of uh, becoming a foster parents to these three kids. And it it's not hilarious, but the... Humor seems true. The performances are good. They treat the the kids as not just cute props, but actual characters. Nice. And I think it's enough to make it a winner. And I mm-hmm. was pleasantly surprised by Instant Family. So, boy, lots to choose so from much. in home video and some definite good stuff there. Looking ahead to next week, well, it's a little bit quieter because Captain Marvel will only be in its second week <laughs> and probably still winning. But we've got, what, we've got a sci-fi thriller. Mm-hmm, Captive State. And we've also got a family animated film, Wonder Park. That's right. And we've got a YA love story, a tragic love story we love called the Five YA, Feet Apart. don't we? <laughs> well, we love to hate you, Give. Well, yeah. There's one. <laughs> so uh, we'll see you about next week. In the meantime, let us know. What would you think about uh, Captain Marvel or maybe Apollo 11 if you saw that on the big screen? Love to hear your feedback. Always uh, easy to get us on Twitter. That's the easiest way. We're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. We're Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website, you can find all our written reviews and our other horror-centric podcast, Fright Club, all at madwolf.com. So lots of stuff to uh, chew on until next week. And uh, we thank you for listening. And if you do... Yeah, wherever it is you listen to this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Yeah, good stuff. We hope you do. And until next week, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. This is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. <laughs>